You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. going through the Gospel of Luke, and there may be a little bit of a change as we get into Lent. We really want to focus on Lent this year in much of a stronger way than we have in the past. I'm encouraging you now. Uh, Lent comes up in about two or three weeks. Be leaning into the Holy Spirit. How does he want our church to be fasting, and how does he want you to be fasting personally? Um, I, I haven't felt any strong inclination other than he's been putting on my heart to fast and lean into Lent this year, so I encourage you to be doing the same. Uh, Our church has a long story of trying to figure out where God is taking us, and I think as you look around the room compared to where we were a year ago, you can see that God has already been up to some stuff, and, and we're excited to see where he continues to take us. But we need to forever be leaning in, walking into his throne room, asking for answers asking for direction and doing when we don't know what to do the best things that we can think to do um, so during lent there may be a little bit of a change in, in what we're preaching on uh, but at the moment we're, we're focused on luke and today we find ourselves in luke 6 verse 12 and these days he went on a mountain to pray And all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor." There are a lot of different names going on in this passage right here, Um, but Jesus did not choose his disciples by accident. Sometimes it feels that way when you're reading the Bible because it feels kind of willy-nilly, just like walk up to some guy in a boat and be like, you, follow me. And then he does like, well, I guess that's one of the 12. He got lucky, just won the lottery that day. But in this passage, what you see is Jesus went up on a mountain and he prayed. All night he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And when he was done with that, he goes to all of his disciples, which the Bible points out that there was more than 12, but he took 12 of them and he called them apostles. That right there, that's, that's a title. Jesus sees an identity in these 12 that he doesn't see in the others, and he puts that identity on them. You guys are the sent ones. You're the ones that I'm raising up to represent all of the tribes of Israel as we come to bring the fullness of what Israel has always meant for the rest of the world, which is the blessing of God and the coming resurrection. Jesus pulls these 12 out specifically with a calling, but even within that, Jesus establishes more names. Simon is known as Peter, which more or less is like a rock. So if you're looking for the real Dwayne Johnson of the Bible... You've got it there with Peter. He is the rock, Petros, Peter. And the reason that he gets this name is because he is a rock that Jesus is going to build the church on. Peter is a foundation upon which Jesus is going to do so much work for the church and the kingdom. That's calling. That's identity. So much so that Jesus actually changes Simon's name to Peter. And Peter doesn't always act like a rock 
But he's got to remember his name and his identity so that when the time comes where he doesn't feel very rock-like, Jesus can restore him. And if you know Peter's story, eventually he's going he's gonna to falter. Jesus tells him, look, man, you're, you're going to follow me. You're going to do everything that I call you to do, but there will come a time where it's going to be too much and you're not going to follow me anymore. And Peter says, no, 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 I will follow you anywhere. But when Jesus shows him what it's like to follow him, Peter changes his mind. Peter is willing to die for Jesus because he tries to start a war. He pulls out his sword and, and chops someone. But then Jesus heals the guy that Peter's chopped. He's like, not like this. And then Peter runs away. Peter was willing to die with a sword in his hand, but he wasn't willing to die just on behalf of Jesus in another nonviolent way. And Peter then falls away. But then, uh, during that time, Peter denies Jesus three times. He's not acting very rock-like. He's not solid. Doesn't feel like a good foundation of the church. But then Jesus comes and makes Peter affirm Jesus three times. In fact, there's a very interesting phrase that I recently caught on to in the Bible. There's those times where new phrases just pop out to you like they haven't before. Where Jesus says, look, Peter, Satan... Satan hoped to devour you entirely, just completely eat you up, but I've been praying that that won't be the case. So when you're done with this whole little betrayal thing, <laughs> stand up and bolster yourself and be ready to go. That's interesting. And then Jesus comes and is like, hey, Peter, I'm still here. I'm still alive. I see the shame in your eyes. You've denied me three times. Now look me in the eyes and affirm me three times and be restored to your place. Peter has this name because it's a calling and identity. And he can lean back into Simon if he wants. Simon who falls away. Simon who didn't know Jesus. Simon who had a whole other way of living and thinking before Jesus came along. Or he can remind himself that Jesus has called him. Called him a new name. Called him into a new identity. And called him to a new calling, to be an apostle. There's a lot. That comes about in a name. Jesus also gave nicknames to some of the other disciples. As he got to know them better and he saw their personality, he kind of gave them names for themselves. So two of them got the names Sons of Thunder because they were always looking to bring down thunder everywhere that they went. They had a little bit of an edge to them that Jesus actually found nicknames for them. One of them Another Simon is known as the Zealot because he had a lot of his identity caught up in a certain sect of Jewishness that, that was really fo focused on being zealots. Jesus saw these people with identities, with callings, with names. And he sees you in the same way. I remember a story from Brennan Manning, uh, one of my favorite authors when it comes to just kind of pastoral works because he's always after the intimacy of God and he's super grace-filled. If you haven't read any of his books and you just really need some grace and love of God, those are good ones to lean into. Ragamuffin Gospels by him, it's a classic. It's still one of my favorite books of all time. Um, but, but with Brennan Manning in his memoir before he died, he, he writes about how he had a moment that changed everything. A moment where he says God wound his clock for good and really doubled him down on grace. And he, the way that he writes about it, it's, we don't even really know how to explain it. It sounds like a revivalist Pentecostal type thing. 
But somehow, in a moment, he says he was caught up in terra incognita, whatever even that means. He's caught up into like a heavenly space. And he says in that space, God gave him a new name. And so we're all excited, like, yeah, whoa, this is crazy. What what was the name? He's like, I've never told anyone to this day, and I never will. And now he's dead, and now we'll never know. But for him, that was a special moment with God. A moment where God gave him a new name, a new identity, spoke into his life, and despite all of the stuff that he had going on in the background, he had this new name and identity that he leaned into with Jesus, something that called him forward. And that guy needed it. He was uh, um, addicted to alcohol, and he writes in some of his books as a priest, like, and falling into um, being trapped in alcohol, going to recovery groups, waking up on the side of the road, being kicked by a woman in the ribs and breaking his rib cage, if I remember right. He, uh, he found himself in a lot of really dark places and a lot of difficult times. But his focus as to who he was as a post- person, his, his genuineness that Jesus had called him and loved him, that never faltered. And that's something that a lot of Christians need these days. To know that God has called you by a name. I was praying uh, one time with a friend and um, ran out of words, as sometimes you do. And when you run out of words when you're praying, sometimes the gift of tongues is just an easy thing to lean into. You don't know what you're saying. You're hoping that the Spirit's kind of saying it for you. And uh, you just kind of let those words flow and, and see where it goes. And there's nothing terribly supernatural that that feels like. I know when people see it, they have all kinds of questions. But it's more or less just kind of a open trust that the words I'm saying maybe mean something to God. And if they don't, if they don't, <laughs> then maybe he's at least humored that I'm trying to praise him in this weird way. Uh, for a long time, I would... I would do that, I would speak in tongues, but I would never be really sure. There were a few moments where something just really felt surreal about it, uh, but for the most part, I didn't have like this experience where it just suddenly happened. Didn't have this moment where it was just like dumped out on me and I just started shouting out loud as though the spirit was playing on my vocal cords. It's more or less just a like there's not much more to it than just leaning in faith that maybe this means something to God, and if I'm doing it wrong, maybe he's humored in a praised and blessing kind of way. Whatever the case may be, I ran out of words in this particular prayer session and just started doing that. And there was a word that kept coming up as I did it that uh, um, just really stood out to me. And every time it showed up, I was like, that, that's not usually one that I do when I do this. And so it would keep coming up, it would keep coming up, and it just kind of caught me off guard. And the person that I was praying with, I just had this impression on my heart, nothing strong, nothing overly supernatural, just this impression that this word was for them. But I didn't know what this word was, and I didn't know what this word meant, so what on earth did it even matter? Like, you know, whatever, I'm not going to bring this up, that's weird. Hey, I think this gibberish is for you, you're welcome. <laughs> but I kept doing it anyways, and then... Within like a week or two, the person that I was praying with, when I would run out of words, I'd go to that. The person I was praying with just eventually said, whenever you say that one word, there's like something inside of me that just swirls. And so I'd say the word, and whatever that was, they'd feel it. And I'd say the word, and they'd feel it again. 
They're like, what, what is that? What? And I was like, that's so strange because I, I just have this impression on my heart that that specific word amongst all the other gibberish, that that word is for you. And I, I feel like it's almost like it's a name for you. And so we started leaning into that word and God confirmed through some visions and some other things that that word was for them. And the word that we seemed to liken it to, uh, it was a Hebrew word in the Bible as we tried to scour the internet trying to hunt it down. We landed on one time in like the whole Old Testament where this word comes up. And its meaning in Hebrew was exactly the kind of thing that God was speaking into their life at that time. They found a new name from a bunch of a word of gibberish amongst a bunch of other gibberish. They were able to pull that out and find a new name, to find an identity, to realize that God loved them and was speaking something solid over them, something to lean into, something to remember who they are. They are no longer just the name that they were born with. Jesus has now put a new name on them as well. And I think you see that uh, possibility in the Bible that, that God would probably speak... I feel like he would speak a new name over all of us in some extent. Maybe on the day of judgment, it's kind of like the dip uh, speaking over us something that he's been seeing in us our whole lives, something like that. Maybe, I don't know. In Revelation, there's several times where in Revelation, at least two times where it's mentioned uh, that God will give us a new name. And I think it's possible that what he's referring to there is like the real name of Jesus. He will give us Jesus's real name, the name of names. But maybe, maybe Revelation, which is often confusing, is also talking about giving us a new name as to who we are, speaking identity over us. And how often we need that. Um, over the last year or so, I have been given a word by some people that's come up a few times. At least one person has sensed this word several times. And it was a title of sorts, speaking over me. Um, it was a title that went back a ways. Uh, but it was, a, it was a title that over and over again, it was one I needed to hear. The first time that they felt Jesus put that on their heart, is like my heart just broke. And I just started to weep that Jesus would call me something like that. They would speak something positive that he would look into my heart and see something like that. And that's, that's what the prophetic does. When people are listening to the Holy Spirit and they see something in someone else and they call it out, they speak the identity that God has in our lives, be it a name, be it a title, be something else. Do you see identity in the people around you? Do you speak it out over them? People need to hear it. We have a tradition at uh, the chapter house here in Jackson. It's called the Fasorius Chapter House. It's right downtown. It's this old Victorian mansion that's been turned into kind of a retreat house for pastors and ministry leaders. And uh, anyone uh, in the church can go as well. There's a whole bunch of different kinds of retreats. If you're ever interested, talk to me. I'll show you some of the ones they have coming up. But I go every month, and I meet with a bunch of pastors around Jackson, around the nation, around the world. They fly in. And we just um, have a great time together. But we always end the same. It's something very special to the chapter house. So we have a meal. They let me cook it. And then we eat together. And at the end, we have a moment where we focus on a biblical story or a liturgy. 
And then we all kind of go around the table and we speak into the people that we've met over this week or that we've got to know better, the kinds of identities that we see in them. People are always in tears during this time. Things that they've always felt they were but nobody ever told them. Things that they didn't realize they were but people spoke it over them. Things that the Spirit put on all of these pastors' hearts to say, I feel like God's just telling me this about you. Tears over and over again. Notes being written down, like I gotta remember that. Some of those might be spiritual, where the Holy Spirit's illuminating our hearts as to what we see in each other. But a lot of times it's also just natural. As I've gotten to know you, here's what I see God has made you as a person to be. Do you give people those words? Do you encourage them? Because the prophetic is consoling, it's encouraging. These are the kind of words that Paul uses to talk about it. Do you speak over the lives around you, in your own family, what you see in them, and your friends, what you see in them, and strangers, what you see in them, and church people, what you see in them, and the people you work with, what you see in them? People are depressed, they're hurting. And they're not used to hearing kind words. When you speak those identities over them, that, that shifts the direction as to where they're headed. When you speak the words of God over them, that shifts the direction as to where they're headed. At the chapter house in December, um, David McDonald, who runs it, uh, those of us who were regulars there, he gave each of us a letter that he had written specifically about what he had seen in us. And the letter that he wrote for me, like, my heart was just overwhelmed. The things that he wrote in that letter were things that I'm like, I have felt some of these things about myself, but haven't felt them spoken into. And when you say them like you do, like it, it just reminds me to lean into these identities that God has put into me. Not to just shove them to the side or think them silly or anything like that, but to really be whom God has has already put identity in me as a Christian to be. And it changes trajectory. It changes directions. Things, some of the things that he said in that letter was like, I'm going to hold on to that, and there are some things in my future that I'm going to do because you have said these things over me. Do you speak life-giving words and identities? I went uh, immediately from that meeting when I was handed that letter. I went immediately from that meeting, drove to Hobby Lobby, went through their weird section of guns to get to the good section of loving people. Sorry, that's a side note. Uh, <laughs> and then grabbed a frame, framed the letter, put it on the wall, and then uh, held on to that to remind myself, to look at that. Remember who Jesus has called me to be. What is the name that he's giving you? Who does he know you to be already? What are some of the identities that others have spoken over you? What are some of the words that you need to speak over someone else? Jesus is the name changer, the identity speaker, the one who changes directions. And if we go our Christian life without hearing the encouragement of another person speaking into us, we fizzle out. We forget who we are. So I'm going to just play a little bit of 
ambient pad music here just for a few minutes. I want you to go to Jesus, ask the Holy Spirit to meet you in this space. What is it that he wants to speak over you? Is there a name he wants to give to you? And is there somebody else that he wants you to speak into? And it might be something super normal. Hey, have you ever noticed how this person's just really good at singing? Have you ever thought of telling them that? Have you ever noticed that this person just genuinely cares about people? Have you ever told them that? There was a message one time where I was talking about Kevin Burchett and how he's the kindest person I've ever met. That was like five years ago. He just brought that up to me last week as, you know, I'll never forget that. Sometimes it's just speaking the things that you see that you're like, dude, everybody knows you're kind. Well, apparently he doesn't. (laughs) Do you speak the normal things you see? So let's go ahead and take a minute, go to Jesus, and then see what he has for you, for yourself, and for others. And then you can, uh, we'll move into our ministry time from that.